0: So as you know, our theme for this year is All for the One, which is going after those who are unsaved. It's, it's changing our focus from uh, staring at our belly button, so to speak, but to staring at the world that Jesus wants us to reach, that Jesus has put us in the middle of. Uh, I did say this a couple of weeks ago, but I think that we shouldn't be scared of the world coming into the church. I, I want to see broken, messed up people in the church. I, it doesn't faze me at all. I want the devil to be scared when the church goes out into the world. When these, when, when these services end and we all leave, I think the devil needs to be shaking, thinking, oh, no, what deposit of God just got on all those people? What deposit of the Holy Spirit just got infilled and now they're, now they're out in the world? Talk about social distancing. He's going to be saying, okay, come on, don't let the church mix because it's going to spread it all around everybody. That's the kind of world we've got to live in. That's, that's exciting. I don't know where that came from, just a bit of inspiration there. Anyhow, Ephesians 6, let's get into the word this morning. You ready? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning for the power that is in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, that you want a personal relationship with us, that you created us, you've, you've uh, developed us, you've brought us to this place where we are right now. And I just pray today that by your supernatural way, you're able to speak into our hearts, strengthen us, encourage us and direct us into all that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Ephesians 6, verses uh, 10 and 18. It says this. I, I, I shared this in our prayer time just earlier. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Verse 18 says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So it says there, Pray in the Spirit at all times. Now, why? It's because we live surrounded by spiritual enemies that simply want you not to pray. Because when you pray, you're doing things in the spiritual that change the atmosphere over your life. So the the enemy wants to keep you asleep. He wants to keep you out of the fight. So I have a word for people today and uh, uh, for Christians right now. It's time to seek the Lord. It's time to pray. It's time to get your attention on the things of God. Uh, we need to have clarity. Let's have clarity. We need to have revelations from God. Let's get revelations. Um, uh, we need to. We need Jesus to be dwelling in us and and to and to uh, keep the church strong, because I don't think that, that we need to be a diminishing church. We need to be a growing, thriving church, a strong church that is going to usher in the presence of God. So you know what I've been. What, I, I like watching boxing videos and that. Uh, you know, it relives my old career that I never had, but you know. I love, I love watching especially Mike Tyson. Who's ever heard of Mike Tyson? See, he's an incredibly dangerous boxer, or he was. Incredibly dangerous. It's like he had two sledgehammers attached to his, to his arms. And, and what, I, what I find is so incredible and um, it's so amazing is that so many of his opponents went in underestimating his power, underestimating his, his ability. And and you see that because they're, they're thinking, well, they might have done well in golden gloves boxing or something, but now you're, you're facing one of the most dangerous and aggressive fighters that has ever, you know, probably of our generation, of my generation. But you know what, you, the way you could see it is they're trying to do fancy stuff that might have been good you know, it, with lesser opponents, and they, they're doing the footwork, I can't even do it, my feet are sore, they, they, they're, they're doing the fancy footwork, they're trying to move around, and, and they're, 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 but the, the main thing you'll notice, I, I, I challenge you, go home and look, just Google Mike Tyson, and look at his boxing matches, and you'll see a lot of other boxers are like, they're, they're trying to move, it, but their, their arms are like this, you know, and down here, hands down here. And if you watch Mike Tyson, he's, he's a, a very orthodox fighter. I'm just getting passionate now. But, but he, he's, he's hunched over like this. His elbows are in. His, his guard is up all the time. Now, he's a dangerous one. And so you can't, you can't go into that fight with your hands down. And one of the most, you know, I guess, the fundamentals of boxing that you, you should be taught if you've got a good coach is not trying to flurry people with fancy stuff. It's trying to keep your guard up and, and, and just fight orthodox. And, I, and I, you'll find that most world champions who stay champions and get, um, uh, uh, like they keep their title for a long time, are orthodox boxers. They're not the fancy ones who, who can do all the fancy stuff. They might win a title once or twice, but they won't keep it for very long. It's the orthodox who keep the disciplines and the basic fundamentals of the craft that will keep them on the top. And I want to tell you something, how you worship matters. Because it's like how you worship. You can worship with your hands down. You can worship doing the fancy footwork. Doing some hip. Or you can worship with, with the defensive mode where you say, oh, and it's, it's, it's different in worship. It's not like cover up and bunch up and curl up in the corner. It's like, Jesus, that's your warfare. It, it, it matters how you pray. Are you going to have an orthodox method of of Uh, engaging the things of the spirit it's how you pray it's when you pray and I just encourage you it's just important that you do pray it's how you read the Bible it's how you uh, spend time in the presence of God is, is depends on whether you'll get a title and whether you'll keep a title so to speak anyway enough of Mike Tyson let's get into the Word of God don't know even where that came from but anyhow it's good fun for me last time I preached I introduced some goals Um, that we as a church are aiming for. Uh, So if you've been in our church for a long time, you know we've had our culture, the the eight I's, um, influential, inclusive, investing, all those I's on the things back there. Um, Our vision, to be a large, relevant church of mature believers who love our community, that's our vision, that's what we're aiming for. Uh, Our our mission, to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and puts, you know, covers it. It's there for the whole world to see. That's our mission. Um, and now I think we're, we're entering into a new season uh, where we're clarifying our goals. We're defining the goals that God wants us to celebrate. So you know what, in, in, in sport, when there's a goal, soccer, football, uh, any, any other sport, when there's a team sports, when there's a goal, there's a big celebration. And we need to learn as a church to celebrate the same goals so we know what we're aiming at. We know what the the celebrations are all about. And I don't think we've been uh, focused on that at all uh, over the last many years, but it's time that we start to realize as a church that we need to set goals and we need to celebrate those goals. So there are four goals that the Lord um, showed me uh, coming into uh, late last year for our church and that, that they are this. Salvations. So, Luke chapter 15, verse 7, we're going to unload some of these this morning, um, just two of them. Baptisms, baptisms in water and the Holy Spirit, that uh, we, we, uh, we need to see them as goals that we need to uh, uh, go after. Discipleship, that's training and developing, and part of that is having a Bible college here in the church that, that uh, we can uh, help you uh, right here in Port Lincoln to do a Bible college course, Cert Cert 4. Diploma level, and you can even go further than that. Masters and others right here. So I want to encourage you. um, You don't have to think, well, my my spiritual journey is going to be limited if I stay here in this church. But your journey can continue to grow and flourish and develop. Uh, Claire, this morning, who did such a great job with our communion, is a uh, a diploma student who who did that just last year. So uh, it's amazing to see what God can do with people uh, right here if you want to learn. Uh, the, fourth, the fourth goal that we have is in our relationships. It's friendships. And so um, there's, uh, I've got about four scriptures here, Romans 14, 19, 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, uh, Jude one twenty. 20. Sorry, there's only three. But they all talk about building each other up in our most holy faith, building each other up. And that's what we want to encourage and, and make a goal in our church that the people around about us at One Heart Church build us up that encourage us, that, that uh, help us in our walk with God and make us better people. So it's, it's not cool to have um, a friendship group that, that is just talks the same, you know, is the same, uh, uh, and, and the main glue between those relationships is we all dislike the same people. Now, that's not a good thing that you want. You want to have relationships that build, that are strong, that are actually uh, can even confront us sometimes when we have things that aren't right in our life, and, and not in a bad sense, but in a good, loving, uh, proper sense. So knowing our goals at church, we, uh, we, we need to know what the wind looks like. We want to know what the winds look like, and we want to celebrate the winds together. And I'm just going to continue to remind you, as the year goes on, it's sort of early in the year, we want to set the foundations and, and make it a priority, but as the year goes on, I don't want us to forget our goals, I don't want us to forget our vision, I don't want us to forget our mission, I don't want us to forget our culture, because you put them all together and, and we become a, uh, a, a much better organism that God uses and we, and we become more focused on what God wants us to do. So if you will, this morning, I want us to just look at two of those goals, salvations and baptisms, and clarify some of that stuff, and hopefully uh, it, it helps you, it encourages you, and uh, you know, I, I think is something you can say, well, I want to be part of seeing some of those goals met this year and in the future. So the first one, salvations. That is people coming to know Jesus and being born again. I think it's really, really important that we as a church has, have our very first main mission and goal is to see people coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Without that goal being the first, then I think everything else is wrong. I think everything else is, is misplaced. So uh, Luke chapter 15 verse 7, uh, Jesus says this, In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't straight away. So, the primary function of the church, of the Christian, of the believer in the world is to reach the lost. Because one lost sinner is important to God. Therefore, we have that, that theme this year all for the one. It's all for the one. Like one person at a time, if we can reach them for Jesus, we can make an eternal difference in their life. And we want to be a church that can do that. So, um, Jesus designed the church to be the vehicle of the Holy Spirit to engage the world. I find that totally amazing. It's astounding to me that of all things, God gives us the message to carry to the world. Uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 5 verse 18 to 20 says this, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are God's ambassadors. God is making his appeal, and I'll just add this, to the world through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And, you know, something... Uh, there is so many different ways in which we can reach and engage the community, but we need to realize that it's our individual responsibility to be a light that shines Jesus to the world. So wherever you are, you shine Jesus to the world. Now, you know, as it says in Matthew, don't cover over, don't you don't light a lamp and then cover it. And so I want to encourage you today, don't be a secret. Don't be a a, a secret agent. There's no room for secret agents. We don't need secret agents. We need people who are bold and glowing and can just, you know, you don't have to have every answer. You don't have to have it all right. One of the biggest challenges I had in my early walk with God is trying to be good all the time and thinking, well, I I can't. Honestly, I was a construction worker and I could not make it to Smoko without sinning. It's like I'd go to church on Sunday and be challenged. Yes, yes, God. Oh, I want to. I want to be good. I want to be. I want to make my life count. I want to do. I want to be different, and get to work. And then the first person I speak to is like. <sighs> but I had, I had to come to a realization that that I just got to keep bringing those things back to Jesus. Help the Lord deal with those things, and and little by little, I realized that. I can still be a light that shines beyond all my weaknesses and all my flaws. That's the amazing thing. Why, I think, why did God choose people for that? Um, but he does. And we don't have to wait until we've got it all together and perfect before we start shining our light for Jesus. And, and so I had to modify my life and my behavior. And after you know, not all that long, people would say, I'm not, this is not, not an arrogance thing, people would say to me at work, oh, there's, there's something different about you. And I'd go, like, what? You know, you, you don't swear. I'll go, I didn't even notice that I don't swear. And they'd say, no, you don't swear. So, so you talk different. They, and, and they'd say, and, and we like that. Because I'm surrounded by guys who just, their mouths are just blah, 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 all day long. Every, every, every sentence has multiple swear words in there. And uh, to be different to that is, is it's a simple modification of your life that can make a difference that people will notice. Uh, and um, oh, there's many other things that I could go on to there that uh, made a difference in that place but people will notice those things but I want us to have a goal to celebrate at One Heart Church when people are being born again and we should expect that every single week every single month and we're on the right track when we're a people who help others find Jesus you know, because uh, honestly there's people who say or oh, uh, you know one of the hardest things as a pastor ever that I faced was uh, doing a church health survey and uh, in the survey questions was would you bring people to the, to this church it was this church too about 11 years ago and 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 most of the respondents said no I was thought what am I doing here why are we here if no one wants to bring anyone else but I, I hope that we can create an environment create a church that that is attractive because if you don't want to bring your friends here, then I will say, well, why are you here? So, you know, and church is strange. Church is weird. Church is, it has its own language. It has its own culture that's different to the world. But I believe when we're doing things uh, with the right heart and intention, Jesus will use even the flaws in the church and still reach people. And he does, and he will. So I just want to encourage you with that. Second one, the second little thing we're going to look at is, is second goal is baptisms. Now, the Bible talks about two distinct baptisms for for the believer. Um, There's baptism in water is the first one, as a sign of discipleship, of putting aside our old life and living a new life in Jesus. So uh, Romans 6 verse 4 gives us a, a, a good description of it. It says, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism." And one of the things we encourage new believers to do is to be baptised. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So it's a declaration that our old life of sin is gone and we're now wanting to walk in obedience to Jesus. That's why we baptise people. So uh, baptism is a physical sign of a spiritual awakening, of a spiritual birth that comes from heaven. So baptism is a goal that we should celebrate and it brings great excitement in the church when people are baptised. And often when we baptise people here, uh, you know, in the past, as soon as they're baptised and they come out of the water, there's a huge celebration breaks out around the church. And that's not made up, that's not, hey, let's, we put up a sign saying, applause now, or, or start clapping everybody and people whistle, and and there's a great excitement because it it signifies something of a life change that is supernatural, that is amazing, and and it's bringing people into the family of God. So um, I love that that, that we have that excitement. If we didn't have that kind of excitement when people are baptised, they're not saying there's something wrong, there's something broken, there's something misplaced in the church. So it's a goal that we should always celebrate. So I want to encourage people here, if you haven't been baptised, Um, and made a personal decision, I encourage you to consider being baptised and going on that journey of discipleship, of obedience to Jesus. So Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus said this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So baptism is a goal that we should pursue because it's Jesus' idea and instruction to us as a church. So if you need any other uh, compelling evidence, Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and baptise people. So I think that's fair enough uh, advice for us to follow. The next part of baptism I want us to look at is is somewhat controversial in some places, but it shouldn't be, uh, is baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now that's a spiritual baptism uh, of power, uh, signified in the speaking of tongues, speaking in other languages, and, I, and also other significant signs that can only come from God. So I want to encourage you, it's not a mystical thing, a thing that is so far off and only happened, you know, many people say, oh, it only happened in the early church, but um, if we were to say well, we, we accept baptism in water, but say the baptism in the Spirit was only for them, then we we are missing something. So John the Baptist prophesied that Jesus would come, and he said that he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. He says he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So uh, Matthew 3.11, this is what John the Baptist said, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So we move along, Acts chapter 1 verse 4 and 5 and verse 8. Jesus promised it as well. And uh, uh, at Pentecost, it was fulfilled. Acts chapter 2, verse 3, the Holy Spirit appeared as fire on people's heads as they were in a prayer meeting and they're praying. And that promise that that John the Baptist spoke about, the promise that Jesus spoke about, was fulfilled at Pentecost. And I want to say that is some amazing prayer meeting. And when we come together to pray, we need to be people who are praying in unity. Be praying in in uh, uh, praying in the things that God wants to see in our lives, and I believe when the church is unified like that, we will see amazing things start to happen. And it's not all about seeing signs and 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 strange things going on, but it's about preparing ourselves for what God is is uh, wanting us to do with our life. And being filled with the Spirit is gives us the power and the authority and the will to pursue after God's will in our life. So. Um, I better just have the musicians come back and join me, please. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. In the New Living Translation, it says this, And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, that's, that's a thing in itself, but what happens next really amazes me. The next thing you know, they take to the streets and... Peter preaches, the Apostle Peter begins to preach and it says that 3,000 people believed and were born again. So I want to tell you something. I'll I'll read it to you. Acts chapter 2 verse 41. It says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. So there's this sudden explosion in the church of, of believers and I guess these days there's a lot of debate you know a lot of people talk about a lot of stuff and and we have a lot of information uh, and a lot of opinion that's available to us about these kind of subjects and um, just a question I have is I wonder if megachurch is is right you see a lot of negative stuff about the megachurch gets knocked knocked a lot so let me see Acts chapter 115 we see that there was about 120 believers in one place in Acts chapter 1 uh, a, a few days later it says, there's, as we just read, 3,000 believers were added in one day. That's 3,120 plus probably a few more that we didn't count first. Acts chapter 2, verse 44, and it says, And all the believers, 3,120 plus, met together in one place. Here's something to think about, just something I think about. Maybe it's more unbiblical to stay small than to be big. Because people say, oh, the early church, they all just met in homes. Yeah, they met in homes and the temple because it was the only place big enough at the time in Jerusalem. But I want to tell you something. We've got to to expand our our desire, expand our our understanding, and and we can limit the power and the presence of God in the church when we we have wrong attitude, when we have wrong perspectives and and speak those things out. So I believe in in a, a large, relevant church a large, relevant church that speaks the language that people need to hear that can make a difference in the lives of people. So, what Peter preached, have your sins forgiven, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. You find that in Acts 2.38 and he, he sums it up quite clearly. Peter replied, each of you, repent of your sins, turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and then, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, I want, I want the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want to thank Claire for her, for her message this morning uh, with that illustration of the gift. Because it t- you know, I'm not that creative to think of that to tie it into my message, but, but I should have pinched her box and used it right now. But the gift of the Holy Spirit is a gift for you to bring power, to bring clarity, to bring revelation, to bring anointing, to bring the energy and even the right desires to to be in our lives. So Peter put the two baptisms, he put those two baptisms, he put those two baptisms together as a foundation, as the foundations of our faith. So what I know is people filled with the Holy Spirit are empowered and can change the world and set people free from sin and death. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can help others to find their way to Jesus. Things are more clear in that.